After five years away from the music scene to focus on her rising acting career, 2001 saw the return of R&B princess Aaliyah and the release of her highly anticipated third studio album, amply titled Aaliyah. The record was a renaissance for the singer, with her experimenting in sounds she had never done before and expressing herself in a way that she had held back in in the past. The album is considered one of the staples of 2000s R&B, but the celebration was cut short when she tragically lost her life not six weeks after the album's release. In this week's episode, we throw it back to a piece of art by a true angel. Join us as we dive into Aliyah's most experimental project, a project that showed us that she is, in fact, more than a woman. Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Kadosh, and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. Hey, you guys, welcome to a brand new episode of the Planet 2000s podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kadush. I'm so happy to be here with you guys today because today we're going to be discussing an album by one of my favorite artists who was gone way before her time, Aaliyah. The album is titled Aaliyah, and it was her final album that she released before she tragically passed away in August of 2001. Today, we're going to be diving into the album, a little bit of the history and that whole era and what could have been, and obviously the tragedy of what happened. But we're going to be keeping Aliyah's memory alive and we're going to be celebrating. I should also point out that just a few weeks ago was the 28th anniversary of this album. And obviously, in just a few weeks will be the 20th anniversary of her death. So in order to just celebrate her memory, I thought now would be the perfect time to talk about this album and talk about her impact on music. Just celebrate the good times with Aaliyah. Aaliyah is the third and final album by Princess of R&B Aaliyah, and it was released on July 17th, 2001 through Blackground Records and Virgin Records. Many refer to the album as the Red Album due to the aesthetic of the album with the red background. Work on the album began in 19. 98, but had to be delayed multiple times due to Aliyah's budding film career. The bulk of the album was recorded in 2000 in Australia while the singer was shooting the movie Queen of the Damned. The album was originally planned to be released in February 1999. However, after receiving the lead role in the film Romeo Must Die alongside Jet Li, she put the album on hold to focus on the film and creating music for that project instead. Her label Blackground Records used the success of the film and its theme song Try Again to set up a distribution deal with Virgin Records for Aliyah's third album. She actually said in an interview for Billboard, there were nights when I didn't go into the studio, I was too tired, but on the weekends, I always made it. She was recording nonstop while she was shooting this movie. She would shoot all day and then she would go into the studio after to record. Obviously, never having a day off, as you say, she went and on the weekends, and then she would try to go after certain work days. Production on the album was helmed primarily by Butta, Eric Seats, J-Dub, Rapture, and of course her main collaborator, Timbaland. You know, I know that I'm older, I'm a young adult now, and I wanted that to, to show through on the album, so my writers and I, we talk, you know, they ask me how am I feeling just as a person, you know, at this point in my life, the things that I want to talk about, and they incorporated what I told them in the lyrics. All of us have grown in a lot of ways. You know, some of the writers are married now, have kids. And so, you know, all of that shows through in the work. So um, I push them to dig deep into themselves, to, to try things they hadn't tried before. And also with me, some of my growth just vocally is just my confidence. Most of the lyrics on the album were written by the late Static Major, who was a very close friend of Aaliyah's. He actually died in 2008. The album features a variety of genres, primarily R&B, neo-soul, dance pop, along with some sprinkles of funk, hip-hop, alternative rock, electronica, and Latin music. She described the record as a good reflection of myself and the person that I am today, saying in an interview for Jet Magazine. 
I am a young adult now, and I think that this album shows my growth vocally. I really just feel this album is a great reflection of me. Everybody really delivered and really worked hard to give me what I wanted. And I mean, the creative team that I have on this album is amazing. They're genius. Static is genius writer. He um, is able to put himself in your shoes and tell a story from your point of view, and that's amazing to me. Um, Black as well. Playa, they're just an ill group. And uh, we work very well together. We're all very close, and they know me very well, and they really just gave me everything that I could possibly want for this album. Butter, J-Dub, Timbaland, Missy, um, Tank. Everybody really did an amazing job. And I just hope the fans really feel it like we do. I feel it's the best work that I've done to date. So I'm hoping that... uh, people really feel me on this one there were three singles that were released from this album they are we need a resolution more than a woman and rock the boat we need a resolution was released as the first official single from the album on may 15 2001 it was written by static major and timbaland who was also featured on the song and it's an r&b song timbaland was having issues with background records at the time which resulted in him originally not being on alia's album at all and this ended up changing before that deadline timbaland was like you know what i'll do it out of love for baby girl but he was having a lot of issues with background records and if you listen to my last episode on Jojo, you know that Blackground Records has a history of being very, very, very shady. Blackground is owned by Barry Hankerson, who is Aaliyah's uncle, who created the label because nobody would sign her because she was so young when she first got her deal, when she was like 12 or 13. He has been known for making shady deals. Every single album of Aaliyah's is under a different distribution label because, you know, deals would always fall through and he'd always be very, very shady. Timbaland put his issues aside with Blackground and decided, okay, let me do this music for Aaliyah because she's my girl. Originally, Loose Rap was going to be the first single, but this was changed to We Need a Resolution once Timbaland came in and did his tracks. But Loose Rap was going to be the first single, and it's a dope track. That's one of the songs, one of the first songs we did for the album. I love it so much because if you listen to it, this is how I I listen to this, how I take the song. If you listen to it, it tells three different stories. And it's just really about people come up to you with a whole lot of smack and a lot of weak rap. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to hear any of your loose rap. And in the first verse, it talks about um, whether it be a guy or a girl being a little bit jealous of you and you're saying, you know what, I know you talk smack behind my back, but I don't care because you're just speaking loose rap. Leah's here. You want her up there? Yeah, we're just centering up the bench. Second verse is more about a guy coming to me kicking game, trying to be my guy. And I'm like, your game is a little weak, but I might give you a chance even though you're kicking loose rap. And then the third verse, it speaks about my crew, Tim and everybody, all of us, and the music we make and our creativity and people being a little bit jealous of that and really not, you know, trying not to feel it. But it's okay, because you know what? Everything you say is loose rap. So it tells three different stories, and I think it's really, it's just hot. Back to We Need a Resolution now. It has been described as having a seductive Middle Eastern vibe as the backing track slithers along with an almost Egyptian feel. This song is very smooth, but yet it's not a ballad, but it's not your um, average up-tempo. So I thought it was a really smooth way to make an entrance back into music with my studio album. It's written by Static. And on this album, I wanted to speak about relationships and all kinds of relationships, good ones, bad ones, or what have you. And that song speaks about relationships that's kind of in the middle, you know what I mean? It's not either or, really. It's just at a point where they're not communicating, they have problems, and they want to resolve them. And what's actually cool about it is not all the time do you actually come to a resolution, you know what I mean? And at the end of the song, they don't really, they really don't resolve anything. So, and that happens in life, so that's really what that song is about. In a review of Aaliyah's album, Michael Paleta from Billboard described the song 
was wickedly hypnotic. Damien Scott from Complex felt that the song was one of the strongest cuts from Aaliyah's album and that it shows her being more grown and confident. And he also felt that the song was both one of Aaliyah's best vocal performances and Timbaland's best guest rap verses. The song was a moderate success in the chart, unfortunately. It only reached number 59 on the US Billboard Hot 100. It did, however, reach number 26 in Canada and number 20 in the UK. The music video was directed by Paul Hunter and it premiered on BET on April 22nd, 2001. We need a resolution. That is um, a track done by Timbaland, written by Static, and the song is basically about a relationship that's having a few problems, and they're having a problem communicating, and I'm saying that we need to resolve our problems, you know, I love him very much, and I want this to work out, so we need to, we need to find a resolution, we need to find a common ground. I heard the video is pretty crazy. And the video is cool. The video is done by Paul Hunter, great director, and it's very dark, very edgy, which is like m- myself and my music, and I have a scene, this is the most talked about scene is the scene with the snakes. We used about 10 pythons and 40 other smaller snakes in the snake pit. I handled some of the bigger pythons and a few of the other little snakes crawl on me. It's very sexy, but very dangerous at the same time. And that's totally what I wanted to come across. And it's so much fun. The goal was to create an atmosphere of a celebrity in an airport and every room and scene represented a different vibe, whether it be the snakes or whether it be a futuristic vibe. The snakes was a huge thing for Aaliyah at this time. This was right before Britney had her snake at the VMA. So really, as much as I love Britney and as much as Britney does get the credit for the whole snake thing, Aaliyah kind of did it first. In an interview with MTV, Aaliyah discussed her experience working with the snakes for the video, saying, I saw bags moving in the corner and I found out that they were real snakes. I was a little nervous, but I kind of like doing crazy stuff. Prior to working with snakes in the video, Aaliyah had previously worked with them for a photo shoot, and Aaliyah said, I first dealt with snakes when I was in Australia, and I did the photo shoot for the album. We used five pythons in the shoot, and at first, I was a little nervous, but once I started to handle them, I totally fell in love, and felt an affinity towards them. They're very mysterious creatures. They live in solitude, and there are times in my life when I just want to be by myself. There are times I can't even figure myself out, too. I feel they are very complex creatures, but at the same time, they're sexy too. That's why they represent the Aaliyah album pretty well. They're dangerous, but quite beautiful. I thought that it would be an animal that could represent me on this album, so I wanted to take it from the photo shoot to the video, and probably throughout this whole project. Aaliyah also rocked a gothic makeup look for a majority of the scenes in the video, and those looks have since become some of her most recognizable makeup looks. If you go to uh, the Try Again video and the We Need a Resolution video, the really dark makeup really became kind of her signature around this time. I wanted the video to be very simple and to be sexy and to showcase Aaliyah, the Aaliyah that people know. Then I sleep on the couch, I thought we were going up, I wanna know. This is the second time Paul and I have worked together, so we decided to kind of do uh, what we did on One in a Million, but take it to another level. So we have beautiful scenes that are um, simple but yet different. We have a snake pit. We have the bedroom scene. We have an amazing dance sequence. So you get a lot of eye candy, but it's not overload. Definitely be handling some of the snakes. So what's it going to be? Me and you, or is it going to be who blame who? I'm tired of the things. I'm tired of these stars. I've always been someone that has had an affinity towards edgy things, towards kind of a dark side. And uh, Romeo to Queen of the Dam to the Matrix, they all kind of represent that for me. It's very edgy, it's unique, and it's a little bit dark. And I like that in my music as well. So I felt in taking the step into another genre that I wanted to, to do something that people could understand and flow with me. And they know me that way in music, so I felt this was the best way to do it in film as well. 
So the second single from the album was More Than a Woman, and it was released as the second single on November 13th, 2001. A music video directed by Dave Myers was shot in August of 2001, followed immediately by the shooting of the Rock the Boat video in the Bahamas. As many of us know, Aaliyah's plane crashed returning from the Bahamas on August 25th, but we will touch more on Aaliyah's tragic death in just a bit. But first, let's focus on the song on More Than a Woman. After her death, her label wasn't sure how they were going to proceed with the release, but they ended up servicing it to radio and music stations in November of that year. The song was written by Static Major and Timbaland, and is one of three Timbaland songs on the album, which were recorded in the album's final week of production. And the song follows a female protagonist, singing to her lover that she'll be more than a woman for him. I stay up on what's going on in music, you know, what's hot and, and all of that, but I, I don't like to... I, I won't let things influence me to stray from what I want to do, you know? And the team that I work with is very creative and very innovative, and we're always challenging ourselves to to do something new, you know? I'm like, with this album, we have to dig deep and, and maybe sing about things, talk about things that we haven't talked about before, or maybe, you know, a, we'll use an instrument on this track that we haven't used. I've always had creative control where my career is concerned, but I've become a little bit more comfortable with being articulate about exactly what I want. And when it came to this album, I told them exactly what I wanted to convey with this project, and it was delivered to me, and I'm very happy about it. And when it comes to every aspect of my career, I have the final say, and I have that control. And that's very important to me, because this is my life, you know, this is my work, this is how I make a living. But, um... At the end of the day, I have to be happy. Complex magazine journalist Lauren Nostro said that More Than a Woman mixes pop, electro, and a mesmerizing mid-tempo hip-hop feel, which allowed Aliyah's delicate vocals to take the spotlight. The single features an uncredited sample by Syrian singer Mayada El Hanaway from the 1993 song Aluli Ansa. And, good news, the song was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance, but it did lose to Mary J. Blige. The song did better on the charts than its successor, We Need a Resolution, reaching number 25, as well as becoming her first number one hit in the U.S. Okay, so Background Records got their number one hit from this album. You know, they were really worried with the performance of We Need a Resolution, and then More Than a Woman did amazing. Obviously, we all know the reason why it did so well is because Aaliyah had just died, and people were turning to her music, and this was her current single, you know? She was literally out promoting a new album when she died, so it did allow the you know all the exposure and all the grief from the fans. It did allow for the album to do well, but obviously at the expense of Aliyah's life, so what does that mean, you know? It's just one of those unfortunate situations, but at least her music lives on. Dave Myers explained when creating the video, I was really impressed with how balanced she was on her whole deal and really had a great understanding of all sides of the artistic equation. She was pulling tears out of magazines and sharing those with me. It was a little bit more of how she wanted to present herself, and I built the world around her with the motorcycle and the lights and the dance. Now, the video centers around a light show inside of a motorcycle with a hefty budget. Both Dave and Aliyah managed to put together an amazing piece of art. The song has been sampled multiple times in recent years, and in 2017, R&B singer Kilani sampled the song on her song Too Much, and rapper Drake sampled the song in the opening of his song 2018's is there more? The third single from the album was Rock the Boat, and it was officially released as the third single from the album on November 26, 2001, and in early 2002 in North America and the UK. Before Aliyah's death, the label planned for More Than a Woman to be the second single, and for Rock the Boat to stay as an album cut. And once the album was released in July, radio stations took a real liking to the song and started playing it on their stations right away, therefore forcing Blackground to shoot a video for the song and to release the song as the second single, pushing More Than a Woman to third. After her death, Blackground Records decided to just release both singles at the same time, as at that point, the focus was simply honoring Aaliyah's legacy and not so much the charts or music politics. And Aaliyah was very stern on Rock the Boat being released as a single. You know, she even said, no, it's this one. I don't care who did that. 
This one is the next one in response to Blackground wanting to only push Timbaland produced tracks as singles because that was kind of her sound. But Aaliyah was like, no, this song is it. The song is a Caribbean tinged mid-tempo track, which follows Aaliyah instructing her lover on how to please her sexually. It's sexy, sensual, and perfect for any type of intimate moment. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. So I was thinking, what if there was a podcast that gave you a quick, let's say, I don't know, few minute update a few times a week on all the latest in country music news. Very simple. So it turns out this podcast does not exist. So we just went ahead and made that podcast. It's called Country Music News Today. You can check out an episode for yourself, see how easy it is to get your news updates. And if you like it, it's going to be a great resource for you. And if you don't like it, it's also going to be great because you won't ever have to listen to it again because, you know, freedom. Country Music News Today. Give it a listen. Rock the boat. Yes! Let's rock the boat. Yeah! Now, when um, can we expect that? I, I shoot the video tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Okay. And um, that video should be out, and we're hoping, like, beginning of September. I can't wait. We're actually doing singles back to back. We're doing Rock the Boat first, then we're mm-hmm. driving more than a woman. So okay. we got them coming back to back. What a sexy song. Oh, yeah. That's what, a beautiful what is song. Rock the Boat about? <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> rock the boat. It's a sexy We're gonna song. We're going to talk backstage. <laughs> it's a very, yes, it's a very sensual song, you yeah. know, about being with somebody you love and how it just takes you to another place and like a natural high. You know, it's, 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 yeah. Fellas want to know. Y'all want to know, right? <laughs> oh, believe me, they know. The song was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance, as well as an MTV VMA nomination for Best R&B Video. It peaked at number 14 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, making it the highest charting single from the album in America. It reached number 12 on the U.K. charts, number 9 in Belgium and in the Netherlands. On August 21st, 2001, just after completing the More Than a Woman video, Aaliyah appeared on BET's 106 in Park to announce that she'd be shooting the video to Rock the Boat later that week, which would be directed by Hype Williams. She shot the underwater shots and scenes in Miami on the 22nd, and then she, along with her crew, flew to the Bahamas the following day and were scheduled to stay until the 26th, but chose to leave a day early since she had finished shooting her scenes early. The video is gorgeous. It's one of Aaliyah's best videos, and many people consider it to be one of the best R&B videos ever made. The video was actually ranked at number 93 on Billboard's list of the 100 greatest music videos made in the 21st century. So in terms of it being a kind of like a parting gift to the fans, you know, before she went and passed on and went to heaven, she created this beautiful body of work, and this video really is stunning. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. A breaking story out of the Bahamas tonight. Authorities have confirmed that R&B singer and actress Aaliyah is among eight people killed in a plane crash. Yeah, the plane crashed as it tried to take off from the island of Abaco in the Bahamas. Nine people, all Americans, were on board that plane. One man survived the crash and was taken to a nearby hospital. The plane was leaving Marsh Harbor Airport around 3.50 local time when it went down. 
Alea and her crew had been shooting a video in the Bahamas. The plane was taking the group back to the United States when it crashed. CNN is reporting that baggage handlers said the plane was overloaded with suitcases and that the handlers and the plane's pilot complained about the heavy load. But they say passengers insisted on taking everything with them. Alea was recently nominated for a Grammy Award for her song Try Again and made her acting debut in the movie Romeo Must Die. We'll have more on this breaking story as it develops. On the morning of August 25th, 2001, just hours after wrapping up shooting her music video for Rock the Boat, Aliyah, along with eight other members of her entourage, boarded a Cessna 402 light aircraft, which tragically crashed shortly after takeoff. An investigation has determined that the aircraft was highly overloaded, with an extra person on board than allowed. It also came out that the pilot had falsified relevant documents to obtain his pilot license, therefore making him not legally capable of flying the aircraft. It was also shown later that there were traces of cocaine in his system. All passengers on the plane lost their lives, causing a total of nine fatalities. A pilot who witnessed the crash saw the Cessna go down as he was working on some machinery about half a mile away. He recalled the aircraft being only 60 to 100 feet off the ground before it crashed. One of the fatalities, who was still alive for a very short period of time after the crash, according to paramedics, spent his last moments worrying about Aliyah's condition. Aliyah suffered from severe burns and a blow to the head, in addition to severe shock and a weak heart. The coroner theorized that she went into such a state of shock that even if she had survived the crash, her recovery would have been nearly impossible. Aliyah was laid to rest a few days later, leaving the music world in shock. I also can point out from personal experience that this was my first ever experience hearing about death. I was very young. I was six years old. And I remember my brother coming in to tell me Michael Aaliyah died. And I was just like, what? Like, I didn't even understand what that meant. What does a six-year-old know about that? And it was just one of those things where it shows you this is life. This is what happens sometimes. Tragedy strikes. Aaliyah was such an amazing soul, such a kind soul, and had so much potential in her career. And it's really, really cruel and tragic that she was taken from us so quickly and so young. I don't want to focus too much on her death because I want to honor her and I want to honor her music and her work and her legacy. That's what's important to me is preserving her legacy because with her music not being on streaming right now, it's very easy to forget for the new generation to not know who she is. And I'm here to do my part so that so that everybody knows how much of an amazing talent Aaliyah was. We love you, baby girl. Rest in peace. Initially debuting at number two on the Billboard 200 with sales of 187,000 copies, the album initially sold slower than her previous album One in a Million. With Aliyah's death occurring not six weeks after the release of the album, the sales skyrocketed after her death. And at the time of her death, sales of the album stood at 447,000 copies. However, news of her death was reported on the last day of Nielsen SoundScan sales tracking week, during which Aliyah, the album, sold 62,000 copies in one day, a 41.5% increase from its past week's sales. The following week, it sold 300. 5,500 copies and ascended from number 19 to number 1 on the Billboard 200. It was the record's highest sales week and marked the first time that a recording artist climbed to the number 1 spot posthumously since John Lennon in 1980 with his album Double Fantasy, which obviously came out around the time of his assassination. The album, Aliyah, eventually was certified two times platinum in America, and it is Aliyah's only album to have gone to the top spot on the Billboard charts. It's just a shame that she never got to live the day to see it. 
The album also charted high worldwide, reaching number five in the UK, number six in Canada and Switzerland, as well as number nine in France and Germany, making its worldwide sales almost 13 million copies. It's also her best-selling album. The album was very well received by critics, with the Chicago Tribune's Brad Kahn writing that Aaliyah demonstrates Sade's grace and Missy Elliott's daring with fashionable neo-soul that is equal parts attitude and harmony and all urban music perfection. In Entertainment Weekly, Craig Seymour wrote that there are a few songs that stray from her musical strengths, but elsewhere, she skillfully portrays love as part woozy thrill, part pulse-racing terror. Aaliyah was also named the best album of 2001 by Slant Magazine and one of the 10 best records of the year by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and Time Magazine. The album also received three Grammy nominations in 2002 Best R&B Album and Best Female R&B Vocal Performance for Rock the Boat, both of which were lost to Alicia Keys. In 2003, obviously, there was a nomination for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance for More Than a Woman, and that was lost to Mary J. Blige. To this day, Aaliyah's entire music catalog, including this album, is not on streaming services. Now, I said this earlier in the episode, if you listened to my JoJo episode last week, then you have a little insight as to why this is. His name is Barry Hankerson. Blackground's subsequent decline and mismanagement of the singer's catalog, singer as in JoJo and Aaliyah, resulted in the Aaliyah album's unavailability on streaming services in the next decade. And many people are saying that the legacy of Aaliyah is almost now diminished because a whole new generation cannot hear her music. It is all on YouTube, but let's just be honest, that's only for us fans who know to look for it. So, you know, something's got to change soon. Barry Hangerson needs to get his shit together and put out her music already because her music deserves to be heard and her legacy deserves to be lived on. This album itself has also left a legacy and it was a catalyst for female R&B singers to express themselves and experiment with their sounds in the early 2000s. Artists such as Destiny's Child, Ashanti, Anne-Marie, Jojo, and Cassie, among others, have benefited from this. So all this to say, this album was extremely influential, and Aaliyah's just being is so influential. And hopefully her legacy does live on, and we all just have to do our part in spreading the word about how amazing she was, so that everything that she worked on and did while she was alive wasn't done in vain, and it lives on, can inspire other people. And I know that her wish, you know, right before she died, you know, she didn't know she was going to die, but you know, she was always talking about her legacy. And I know that that was important to her. We love you, baby girl. And we're here to preserve that legacy. That being said, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you have any requests of albums you want me to do, feel free to send me a DM. And in the meantime, let's jam out to Samalia and keep her legacy going. I love you guys. Have a great day. I don't know. You know, right now it's hard to say what I want my legacy to be. You know, what I want people to say when I'm long gone. At this point, right now... I'm going to say that I want people to see me as an entertainer, someone who can do it all. That's how I was trained. My parents, you know, they grew up loving the people of the classic movies, you know, your Sammy Davis Jr., you know, all those, all those people, Fred Astaire and those kind of artists that could do it all. You know, you had to be able to do it all. And that's how I was trained. And I want people to look at me as a full-on entertainer and a good person. So, you know, we'll talk few years down the line and we'll see where my head is at then but that's what I want for right now.